Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. I trust you are having a fabuloso day. I'm Paige. Here's my coffee. And we are going to be taking a look into Galatians chapter 4. Paul is going to continue his discussion expressing his disappointment that the Galatians seem to be so easily pulled back into the, into the legalistic form of Judaism, uh, especially after he had gone through such great lengths to preach the gospel to them. Now, we've talked before about how the gospel Paul was preaching was a very unique message and that Paul was primarily responsible for the church coming out from under the umbrella of Judaism. At least that's just my opinion. Because uh, he preached a gospel of justification through faith. And it carried with it no external requirements, circumcision, festivals, religious observances of the Jewish faith. Um, Paul recognized the Jewish roots of their faith, but the gospel he preached, he received directly from Jesus, and it was a pretty unique thing, and it raised problems in the Jewish community. Uh, there were a lot of Jewish believers who were of the opinion that, uh, this is just my opinion from what I'm reading, a lot of Jewish believers were of the opinion that Christianity really was part, it was like redeemed Judaism. And you can see where they're coming from. Jesus was a, a Jewish rabbi, Messiah. He's the Jewish Messiah. But this also comes from like centuries and centuries and centuries of the Jewish people being God's chosen people. And there's truth in that. God did choose Israel. God, and But they were, they equated salvation more on a nationalistic level. You're from Israel, so you're part of God's chosen people. Paul's gospel says you become part of God's chosen people by believing in what Jesus did for us. And this was a significant step away from the Jewish thinking of the day. And there were people within the church that were in opposition to Paul, who opposed him every chance they got. And apparently some of these Judaizers, as what he calls them, had gotten to Galatia and were trying to convince them that Paul, first of all, was not a real apostle. Paul dealt with that earlier. And that his gospel wasn't enough. That it was justification through faith and the Judaism's religious observances. So, Paul is expanding on his argument that he closed chapter 3 out with. And we're going to start reading, we're going to read the last couple of verses of chapter 3 because chapter 4 begins where it's an extension of that argument. So I've included the last couple of verses of chapter three. Here we go. Before the coming of this faith, the gospel that Paul preached, before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, 
locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So, the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under our guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, though he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had come, had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. The, the closest thing that I can come to equate this to would be when I was a child growing up under the protection of my father. When, as long as I lived in my father's house, I lived by his rules. And sometimes those rules seemed excessive and pretty restrictive. But I was a minor. I did not have any rights. My father controlled a lot about what my life was about. He controlled a lot of what I did. And what I said, if I lived in his house, I obeyed his rules. And when I broke those rules, there were repercussions. Paul's kind of equating that to living under the law. The law was the, was the, was the guardian. And sometimes the law appears to be harsh and the penalties appear to be harsh. Jesus set out how harsh the penalties was. He said, look, if you are angry with your brother in your heart. You've broken the commandment, thou shalt not kill. That's how harsh the law is. But when you're living under the guardianship, like I was living under the guardianship of my father, I didn't have much choice in the matter. But when I became an adult and stepped out from under the authority of my father, something amazing happened. I was free. I was free to choose the way I wanted to live my life. And my father didn't leave me. He was still there as a rock. as a He was a, my North Star for a lot of years. I would call him up to ask him for advice on big decisions I was going to make. And uh, it was a different kind of authority. I was free to follow his advice. I wasn't forced to do what he said anymore. I mean, it's, it was a, it's a curious relationship. There was a, a deeper love there as an adult than I had with him as a child. As a child, he seemed overly authoritarian and he seemed overly strict, sometimes mean. <laughs> 
But as an adult, I began to see him for what he was, a good man, a strong man with strong convictions. And almost every time what he had told me was right and good, was indeed right and good. And almost every time, everything he told me about what was bad and evil was indeed bad and evil. That's kind of the relationship between the law and people before Christ. You're under the guardianship of the law. And it's harsh. Sharp lines drawn in the sand. Sharp points of demarcation. Sharp board boundaries and borders. And when you become a believer, when you, be, when you step out from under the guardianship of the law and belong to God, the law is still there. But it's no longer the... Uh, tool of doom if you want to look at it that way it's no longer the the hammer all of a sudden your perspective about the law changes because now you're free just like I am free from I became free from the authority of my father but there was still incredible respect for my father there. That's kind of where I, that's kind of the read I take off this. Your guardian, you and you, the law is your guardian. And even though you are heir of the entire estate, for a time, while you're under the law, it's that estate isn't yours to play with. But when you become, come out from under the law and into the kingdom of Christ, it's like growing up, coming of age. You know, it's funny, Paul is telling, you know, you came of age, you became a spiritual adult when you accepted Christ, when Christ came into your, your life, when you bowed your knee to him. And you can see the puzzlement in Paul's mind. Why would you want to go back to being a child again? Why would you want to go back and voluntarily put yourself under the guardianship of something that you have moved out from under? You can see, you can understand Paul's uh, consternation. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. It would be an unnatural thing if my father were still alive today me being 66 years old, if I made the decision to move back into my father's household and let him control every aspect of my life again, as he did when I was a child. That's an unnatural thing. It's it's unthinkable. It's just like, that would never happen. That's kind of what Paul's going to here. Formerly, you were slaves. Why are you turning back now that you're free why are you turning back to that? Why are you seeking to willingly put yourself under the authority of something that you have already left behind? Because now you've grown. You're an adult. You're no longer under the guardianship of the law. And yet you want to put yourself back under that? It'd be like me. Now, if my dad were alive today, he'd be 95 years, 96 years old. It'd be like me going to my 96-year-old father and putting myself back under his authority. And having him control every aspect of my life. It's not natural. It's not right. 
That's kind of where Paul's coming from with this. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me. I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it's because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Now, apparently Paul was ill when he went there. He, he had trouble with his eyes, I think, at one point. I read somewhere. I haven't researched that, to be honest. I'm just remembering something from a long time ago. It was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? When Paul first came into the midst, they received him with love and honor and joy because he brought a message of redemption. The God of the universe had a place for them in his kingdom, in his family. And they cared for him when he was ill. There was respect. There was love. But those people, you're talking about Judaizers, they are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. My dear children, from whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Why do you want to go back and put yourself under the conservatorship of the law? You know, it's, I think probably Galatians is the one epistle that's really highlighted in my mind the challenges that Paul was facing in bringing the church out from under Judaism. He was the Jew's Jew. He was the Pharisee of the Pharisees, student of Gamaliel. He was, if there was a mind more conversant with the law than Paul's, I don't know. If there, I don't know if anybody was as conversant with the law as Paul was. And yet, he was adamantly pushing and preaching the gospel of justification through faith, period, to the Gentiles. He was bringing the Gentiles into the church and therefore taking the church out from under the umbrella of a Judaism that he loved. And I know that he loved Judaism. He would always go to the Jews first. He'd go to the synagogue and then move out and work with the Gentiles. He had respect and love for his faith, his Jewish, his Jewish faith. But he was preaching a message for people that that they did not need the Judaism of which he used to be a proponent. They needed just they could be justified by faith through Jesus Christ. Period. He goes on to talk about Hagar and Sarah. Now Hagar and Sarah, Hagar was a servant, Sarah's servant woman that she gave over to her husband Abraham because she couldn't, Sarah couldn't bear children. So she gave Hagar over to Abraham so that Abraham could have children through Hagar. All right, that you know that story. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware what the law says? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman, one by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, his wife gave Hagar to his husband, her husband and said, 
go lay with her and have children with her. But his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. God promised Abraham that he would have a son and that it would be with Sarah. That was the promise. The difference between Hagar and Sarah is there Hagar was born of Abraham's Hagar's son was born of Abraham's choice. Sarah's son was born of the promise and choice of God. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. That's Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia, Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she's in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she's our mother. This had to have been a little hard for Paul to say at some time, I would think, because he's, he is saying that the faith that he had given his heart and life to as a Pharisee is the old covenant, the old slavery. He equates it with slavery. And he's preaching a faith that will remove you from that. It's written, Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who are never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of a promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. Hagar's son persecuted Sarah's son. It's the same now. Judaism, the law, is persecuting children of the promise. You, Galatians. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. He's hinting at, he says, when it says get rid of the slave woman, he's saying, look, get rid of these Judaizers. We are not part of that old way. This is a new thing that God has done. We are children. You are children of the promise. And Paul includes himself in that. We are children of the promise. You are children of the promise. To go back into the legalism, to adopt Judaism, is to go backwards. It's like putting yourself, it'd be like me putting myself into the conservatorship of my father if he was alive today, who would be 96 years old, and give him total and complete control over my life. Because that's what the law demands. That's the law. If you're going to put yourself back under Judaism, it's like going back, and putting yourself under the authority of your parent who used to have authority when you were when they were your guardians, but they're not your guardians anymore. Get rid of the slave woman and her son. That's what Abraham was told. He's telling them you need to get rid of the Judaizers. You are children of the promise. It's unnatural to go back and put yourself back under something that was never able to save you. Does that make sense? I like it. It's a it's a good argument, and it's it's funny. I've uh, my appreciation of Paul has just jumped completely through the roof. One thing I've noticed about doing these devotionals is that 
I am never ready and can never predict what the message God is going to give me will be. Now, I've read Galatians lots of times before. It's funny, this time going through it, I'm seeing so many things for the first time, but that's that's what the living word of God is like. Every time you read it, there's something there new, some new thought. And my new thought is just the realization of how fragile this first century church was while it was being formed and how close to destruction it came. If Peter had bowed up and got back in Paul's face when Paul confronted him earlier about being a hypocrite, that could have destroyed everything Paul had done. If Paul had been unsuccessful in getting Gentiles accepted into the body of Christ, everything we know about the church would be destroyed. It was, this is a fragile time. And Paul was a powerful proponent as a Jew's Jew, as a Pharisee of the Pharisees, as one taught by one of the greatest Jewish teachers of all time, Gamaliel, preaching a message to take people out of what he had been under for almost his entire life, the law. And I think probably a final thought would be because he was preaching justification through faith, he wasn't undermining the importance of the law. You're gonna, in other letters, he, he equates the law as being a teacher. The teacher instructs us, teaches us. And what the law teaches should be teaching is that you need a savior because you can't keep the law. You try to keep the law, it's a cruel taskmaster and you will not be successful in keeping it because if you are going to be sanctified and justified by the law, you have to keep every part of that law to a depth that nobody's able to do so. Again, like I said before, Jesus says, if you are angry with your brother in your heart, it's the same as if you broke that commandment, thou shalt not kill. If you covet something that somebody else has in your heart, even though you don't steal it with your hands, if you covet it, you've broken that, you've broken that commandment about thou shalt not steal. It's a cruel taskmaster. And it's unnatural to want to go back to that. All right. Tomorrow will be Galatians 5. We'll be finishing up with Galatians this week. What an incredible journey. Thank you. God's blessings to you. I'm Paige. Here's my coffee. And I am out of here.